Welcome to Pullback, the podcast that digs into the ethics behind everyday choices. I'm Kyla Hewson and I'm here with Kristen Pugh. Hello. And today we are talking about meal kits, that meal kit delivery stuff. Meal kits. Mmm, meal kits. Yep. <laughs> great, great. We've reached semantic satiation two minutes into the podcast. Cool. <laughs> meal kits has lost all meaning. <laughs> I feel I, I want to just start with like a I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. I'm oh god. I'm running this episode, you guys. So <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. So I have kittens in my room and they're trying to play with me. And they're like knocking my stuff over. So there might be some just shenanigans happening on my end. <laughs> so, Kristen, what is a meal kit? It is something that's advertised on podcasts. <laughs> uh, beyond that, I don't know a lot about them. I've never used a meal kit. But my understanding is you kind of like sign up and either they deliver all the ingredients for your meals for a week or you can kind of like pick and choose and maybe it's only a couple of meals a week or something i don't know tell me what they are <laughs> yeah no that's basically it you've got it have you ever has anyone ever cooked one for you or yeah when i was in vancouver my aunt had a subscription to a meal kit service and we made a couple of meals from that um so that's really my only experience with it i think it was fresh prep is the company she went with but yeah that's all i know i have no other experience with them <laughs> okay Great. <laughs> I have a little bit more experience. In the height of the early pandemic, back in April or May of 2020, I was kind of bored, had to stay at home, lost all my jobs. And I was like, let's try these meal kits. This seems fun. And I loved it, but I, I didn't keep doing it. So I started it up again because I knew we were going to do an episode on meal kits and I I um, wanted to be extra thorough, but I'll talk about my experience a little bit later. First, I'm going to talk about what is a meal kit delivery service? So they're pre-portioned ingredients delivered to your home with recipe cards. You create the meal yourself, but you're sent exactly the right amount of items with nothing left over. It's a pretty convenient way to get a home-cooked meal without the grocery shopping or mental work of coming up with a menu on your own, which is really nice. The first meal kits were from Sweden in 2007 ah. and 2008. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's a fun fact. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure both of those companies are still around. Uh, Middagsfrid and Linus Matkas. Apologies to my Swedish listeners. You can correct my pronunciation, <laughs> although I'm pretty sure I nailed it. It, it took off more globally. <laughs> it took off more globally in 2012 when Blue Apron, HelloFresh, and Plated opened in the same year. So everyone knows like HelloFresh and Blue Apron, and it's because they like started at the same time. Plated was recently bought out and then shut down, but the others are still like going. Weirdly, Blue Apron isn't available in Canada. It's like the only one that's not. So. I'm not a fan of them, obviously, because I've never tried them. <laughs> As of July 2017, meal kits were estimated to be worth just under 1% of the global food market, which actually is like pretty big yeah. considering what they are. Most of the folks who subscribe to meal kits skew young, urban, and male. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to all the men out there that learned to cook during the pandemic through food boxes. <laughs> Look, I, okay, 
I we'll talk about my experience. It's not just men who learned to cook during the pandemic. <laughs> but the services have like a, a serious retention problem because most people will sign up for the free meals that you hear advertised on podcasts or on Instagram or wherever and then quit when the full prices kick in. Okay, legit. I know two people, two men living together and they decided to try every meal kit subscription offer that was available in the region. And they would, one of them would sign up for it when it ended, the other one would sign up for it, and then they'd switch. And they got like a month and a half of free meals. <laughs> yeah, you just change your like email address <laughs> and it's really easy to game the system. I don't understand why they're still using this. Like, I, I guess it must be, they must be profitable, you know, mm-hmm. like, but I don't know. They're like a little bit expensive. They range in price from like $10 a meal to $25 a meal depending on like what services you're getting and where you are at. Yeah, 25 bucks a meal is pretty pricey. Yeah, that's for the Martha Stewart meal kit, which offers same day delivery. (laughs) I know. Of course she does a meal kit. (laughs) (laughs) I think that one is like they're trying to, um, and they only offer same day delivery for some cities, but that's like why the price is so expensive because you can order it in the morning and have it delivered in the afternoon, which is like, absolutely wild to me, but I think the whole idea is they're trying to draw in, like, the hardcore Amazon shoppers who are used to instant gratification, and then they put Ma- Martha Stewart on the front because they're like, ooh, baby boomers will be into this. The only thing I know about Martha Stewart is that she spent time in jail, but I think baby boomers have, like, a more nostalgic viewing of her. <laughs> yeah, and she's good at place settings. Those are the two things I know about her. <laughs> Oh, she has yeah. a vineyard. That's the third. I know three things about Martha Stewart. <laughs> yeah. Well, and now you know that she has a meal kit delivery service that in some cities offers same day delivery, which is just the logistics behind that are mind boggling. But we'll get into that a little bit later. I don't know. If you're replacing eating out with meal kits, then, you know, price wise, it's not so bad, which is why the meal kit delivery services always like advertise like cheaper than your app. Ad- because like, I saw the numbers on on this and only like 44% of people cook home cooked meals like every day and like a little bit more than that cook like a few times a week. But most people are eating out like a couple of times a week. So the meal kit services are like, well, if you replace eating out with our meal kits, then you're getting healthier home cooked meals. But I think I saw a stat that was like most people were replacing home cooked meals with the meal kits. So the meal kits end up being more expensive, which is why people end up quitting. They like cite, oh, it's expensive. And that's why they stop doing it. I don't know. I guess it depends on how you use it. But I don't know. I, as someone who grew up in a house where I wasn't allowed in the kitchen when meals were being cooked, I literally never learned how to cook. I didn't know what spices went with what food or how long to cook anything or when stuff is supposed to go bad. I was one of those people who was like, oh, the expiry date says it's bad. It smells fine, but I better throw it out because I don't know. I just don't know. Now I'm pretty good at the smell test, but that took many years of practice. (laughs) I didn't know dick when I started like living (laughs) on my own. I like slowly taught myself over the years, but to me, the most valuable thing about the meal kits is all of the cool ways that I've learned to combine ingredients. In a year, I've become a better cook faster than I have in the last 10 years combined. It's it's fucking rad. I, <laughs> I'm making my own meals now using like different like combinations of ingredients that I didn't know went really well together. Just because I'd never like prepared a meal from scratch using those ingredients. So I think it's ethical because it teaches and teaching has intrinsic value, 
but we have to stack it up against our other metrics, which is like human rights and the environment and stuff. But just out of the gate, I see a lot of value in it. Yeah. And it also probably depends on like where you're coming from too, right? Like if you, yeah, a lot of people don't have that access to cooking education in the classroom and like, or in like the household. So, and they don't get in school. So if you come out as an adult that like doesn't know how to cook or doesn't have strong cooking skills, there is that value. But like, if you're, I don't know, I'm, I'm coming from a slightly different bar on cooking. I won't say I'm like an expert cook or anything, but I had a fair amount of skills going into it. So I've just never really felt the need to do a meal kit because I'm actually one of those weird people that loves grocery shopping. It's like a thing I enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I really like looking at produce and being like, that one's so nice. I'm going to take it. Um, I love that. I (laughs) I didn't know how to tell which produce was better than other produce for like years. I just... I had never, I'd never been taught, uh, or if I had, it was like overshadowed by other things that happened when I was a kid that was like, "Mm, this is what I remember about cooking. I'm not allowed in the kitchen. You know what I mean? No, totally. And I think a lot of people are coming from that position. So definitely. Yeah. And it becomes like a generational issue because if your parents don't know how to cook, then you're not going to know how to cook. So what's really cool is like these recipe cards come and you have exactly the right amount of ingredients. So what'll happen for me anyways, is I would see a recipe on the internet or even in a recipe book and it would be like, oh, you need this ingredient that I've never used before to make this one recipe. And I need just a little bit of it. And then I'm like, great. I have all of this like, yes, parsley and I don't know what else I want to use parsley in so yeah Kristen like Kristen's like you can put parsley in everything I know that well, now. I was also thinking there's a fun uh, fun hack for herbs that are going off is you can actually freeze them in ice cube trays with some oil like chop them wash them chop them put them in with some oil and then you got them for next time wow you just blew my mind <laughs> <laughs> That's just a fun life tip for folks. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, so like, so you get this recipe and you're like, well, I want to try making this fancy lasagna or whatever, but I, I'm i not going to use any of these ingredients ever again and I have to buy them in bulk. So that was for me really cool. Totally. Yes. That happens to me all the time with vegan cooking. It's like, here, you need to go get like some agar agar or whatever. I'm like, I don't. I'm not gonna use this for another year. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that for me, the meal kits because I was getting like two to four every week, especially lately because I was prepping for this episode. I was like, oh, I bet this leftover ingredient that I had from a meal that I made myself would go really well in this meal kit. So I'm like, I'm like making my own potions here. It's pretty great. <laughs> so let's talk about what I did try. There's like not a ton of options for Canada-wide delivery. Most services are provided by local businesses. So they're either provincial or just city-based, which, yeah, I love it. So I did try the big ones because that's what people know. So I tried Chef's Plate, which is actually a subsidiary of HelloFresh. So it was (laughs) a complete waste for me to try it (laughs) because I tried HelloFresh as well. (laughs) I tried Good Food, uh, which is like more of the Canada-wide one. And then I tried Fresh Prep, which is only available in BC, but it's expand. It's talking about expanding into Alberta, and I think probably within a few years they'll be uh, Canada-wide. So those are the ones I tried. In the United States, there are over 150 different meal kit services now. So like honestly, just use my like this is just as a frame of reference. You do not need to go get the same meal kits that I got because there are going to be different ones in your city that have different like options. 
So there are a lot of really cool vegan options that are available in the United States. And there's not like a ton of just like exclusively vegan options here in BC. I think there's one, but I didn't try them. So yeah, I'd heard too, um, Loblaws, I think Um, it's one of the big grocery chains in Canada. Um, I think that they're planning to pilot a meal delivery service because they've been doing so much curbside delivery because of the pandemic. They're kind of thinking, hey, we could have people pick up a meal delivery kit thing in the same kind of way, and that could increase our profits. So it's kind of interesting, yeah. Yeah, Walmart's doing it. I don't know where, but I saw Walmart on a list of places that are, like, piloting it. So it's really picking up in the next – like, in the next few years, I think – like, right now, only – I think – only like 5% of people in the United States or somewhere had only had ever even tried a meal kit. But I think we're going to see that explode pretty soon. Um, so this is a great time for us to do an episode about it. So you guys can kind of like hear what's what. Oh, man, I hope it doesn't take over normal grocery shopping, though, because that'll really hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully what it does is it makes normal grocery shopping easier to buy smaller amounts of ingredients, you know, like, I never use all of my parsley because you have to buy them in these gigantic like bundles. I had to get a uh, basil the other day and I needed like six leaves and I got a whole bag of it. And I was like, what am I going to, basil goes badly so quickly. But yeah, now I know I just freeze them. <laughs> yeah. Or herb garden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did also start growing plants during the pandemic and my cooking skills improved faster than my growing skills. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe we'll do an episode on hydroponic systems. I've been meaning to try one, so. (laughs) Yeah, that would be great. Okay. Anyways, my reviews on Good Food and HelloFresh slash Chef's Plate are basically that the vegan options blow and or are non-existent. So if you're, even if you're just vegetarian, almost every vegetarian meal came with like milk or eggs or cheese. And I don't know, maybe you're a vegetarian And sometimes you eat eggs, but you're like lactose intolerant. It's just, there's lots of reasons to offer like a dairy-free option. You know what I mean? And they just didn't have them at all. So I I only did them when I could get either a completely vegan meal or a a meal with just like one non-vegan thing. So I'm just going to throw it away. You know what I mean? So it's like wasted food, which is the whole point of the meal kits. Yeah. It's unfortunate that you can't like, I mean, I suppose that would, it would be logistically very challenging, but- it would seem good to be able to say, okay, I I don't want the dairy, or even if there's like a vegetable or something you don't want to eat, to be able to like say, don't deliver this. Um, sometimes food boxes with like um, like the CSAs, we were talking about in the local food one, the food boxes with farmers, sometimes they'll allow that. But Yeah, it's tough because like they'll send you know, like a packet of mayonnaise. And it's like, well, I have my own vegan mayonnaise. I'm not going to use your packet of mayonnaise. Yeah. So I wish that I could just be like, leave out the mayonnaise, leave out the milk. I have my own mayonnaise. I have my own milk, you know, but anyways, Fresh Prep in BC uh, does offer vegan options. Uh, They always have at least two, which is the minimum order for every week. So you can always just get their two vegan options. Sometimes they have more, but they always have a minimum of two. So shout out to Fresh Prep. If anybody in BC is listening and you want to try a meal kit, they are the best. They are also one of the only or the only that I could find meal kit delivery services that offer a zero waste kit. Oh, that's great. It's really cool. They send everything in like a box that has pre-portioned like little boxes and like plastic boxes inside it. And then you just rinse it out and you send the whole thing back. And they use like a a reusable 
canvas bag to deliver in instead of like the boxes that HelloFresh will use. So Fresh Prep is doing great. They don't use the zero waste kit for every meal. I was only able to get it so far on two meals, but I loved it and I hope they expand it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Because my main like ethical concern with the food boxes is that it's so much single use plastic. At least from the ones that I've seen, it's like even little tiny ingredients will be in their own separate containers. I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot of plastic. Yeah, which is why the the fresh prep like zero waste kit is so cool. So I really, really hope that that works out, especially since they're expanding business into Alberta. Like just make everything a zero waste kit, you guys. I think that'd be great. Like I don't mind paying a deposit on it and then like you refund me when it, you get the kit back, you know? But that does bring me into the next item of business, which is how environmentally friendly are these things? Because <laughs> like, just, I think a lot of people are put off by the amount of packaging that they see in the meal kits, because they do come like, things that don't need to be wrapped even, like spring onions are, are coming wrapped, right? So I did find a study from the University of Michigan that didn't seem to be funded by any meal kit delivery services or anything. I think it was just an undergraduate study that they were doing for fun. <laughs> uh, and they compared the environment. Yeah, I think they had a lot of fun doing it too. <laughs> That's good. Happy for them. <laughs> but they were comparing the environmental impacts of meal kits and making versus like making your own meals from grocery store items. They considered the entire life cycle of the meals from the production of the ingredients to the packaging, transportation, and supply chain losses to home waste. And they found that grocery meal greenhouse gas emissions are 33% higher than meal kits, which supposedly have less food waste and a lower last mile transportation emissions. So that's like... Yeah, what are they assuming though? How are they assuming people are getting to the grocery store? Sorry, you're going to go into that? I'm, yeah, don't worry. I <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Yeah, I do have like a lot to say about this study. So because it's like where most of my information is coming from here. So the freezer packs that are included with meal kits lower emissions when compared with retail refrigeration, which increase which like that alone, like offsets the increases in packaging. But that's if the meals aren't wasted. Yeah. And also the food needs to be refrigerated, presumably before it goes out for delivery, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing, but they're not sitting in ref in fridges as long as like as the as they are at a grocery store. Well, they might be though. You don't know that. Well, maybe they've did that as that element of the study. But like, it would seem to me that the ice packs, like the appropriate counterfactual, isn't the refrigeration in the store so much as it is whatever people are using in their cars to transport it, right? Because presumably it, the food is somewhere else before it's like being distributed. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think most most uh, meal kit delivery services advertise like a farm fresh thing. So they're coming okay. like they're, they're not getting them from grocery stores. They're getting them from farms. Okay. Mostly lo local when they can uh, and then sending them straight to you. So it's kind of like a CSA in that way. And they're just like first we'll get into the logistics. There's a lot here. <laughs> but first they start at the farm, then they go to the warehouse where they're chopped up and pre-portioned, and then they're put in the free like in their bags with the freezer packs and sent out to you. Okay. And they're not like refrigerated at the warehouse. They don't sit there for like a week. I don't know. I don't think so <laughs> because they'll give you up until like 3 or 4 days before the meal kit is delivered to change your order, which means they're really grab they're also advertising a lot of the time that the 
ingredients are up to seven days fresher than in a grocery store. So they really are trying to like get you that fresh stuff. But I mean, a lot of like, especially in the winter in Canada, a lot of it's being trucked in. It has to be right. So I don't know how deep the, uh, the uh, study went in on like that stuff. No, I just, it'd be interesting to know, like, how long are they keeping it? And also like, um, cause grocery stores throw out a lot of food because they don't sell it. And that's kind of, that's literally in. the next point okay. that I was going to get into. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot to this study. So <laughs> these students got an A. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When looking at the question, is food waste worse than packaging? The answer is yes. When the amount of food waste is as high as it is in the USA. The USDA estimates that 31% of food produced in the U.S. is wasted, 10% at the retail level, and 21% at the consumer level. So in theory, if you're using meal kits, you're not losing that waste at the retail level because you're not sitting at a grocery store and then being thrown away at the end of the day. Although maybe the meal kits throw stuff out too. I'd be surprised if they didn't. Yeah, but I don't think they're throwing away as much as, uh, like, because they know, like, okay, this is how many meals we need to prepare. Therefore, this is how many ingredients we need for each box. Therefore, this is how much items we need to buy. Yeah, but just to give you like, sorry, I I don't actually know how this works, but I'm guessing like if they're giving you three to four days to change, like they may have some sense of how much people are ordering, but probably when they're making those deals with the farms or whatever, they need to set a level where they have at least as much. So there probably is some waste. It may not be as high as grocery stores, but... Oh, yeah. I think later in the study, it actually says that it's like 3% waste or something like that. Oh, okay. That's great. But even if you're like, even if it's like 10% wasted at the retail level, it's 21% wasted at the consumer level. So that's like me buying all that basil and then not having enough recipes that use basil in three days. You know what I mean? Throwing that away. So I think meal kits in theory, again, would mitigate that if you're eating the whole meal, which becomes an issue because like they have minimum buys. So if it's just you and one other person or just you by yourself and you have to order two to four meals a week, depending on which service you're subscribed to, and you don't make all four of those meals or all two of those meals within a week and then your next meal kit arrives now you have like six meals sitting in your fridge or four meals sitting in your fridge and like maybe they go off and you throw it away right so that's assuming that people are eating the meal kits that are coming i do but i don't know what the study is on that like i don't know how many people don't finish their meal kits but if they eat them all then it's much better because you're getting pre-portioned ingredients yeah that'd be really interesting to know like is the I assume that if you're getting a full meal kit, the food waste is probably lower than if you're just buying grocery items. Because I feel like a lot of um, what happens with home food waste is like people buy a bunch of groceries. They don't necessarily plan for it to fit into individual meals. And so like they forget that they had, I was going to say potatoes, but potatoes last forever. They forget (laughs) that they had like a red pepper and the red pepper goes off. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. Yeah. Actually, I have a fun fact here. Uh, For cheeseburgers, which are normally higher in emissions, the researchers found that they were associated with 15% more emissions than grocery store equivalents because cheeseburgers tend to have less food waste associated with them than other kinds of food. So people will buy cheeseburgers from restaurants and eat them. (laughs) And (laughs) (laughs) And so the meal kit delivery ends up being 
more emissions in that way because of whatever reasons. I didn't go super into the study. It was huge. But I just thought that was a fun fact. Everyone eats cheeseburgers, so they don't get wasted. (laughs) Here's a quote from the senior author of the study, Shelley Miller. Even though it may seem like that pile of cardboard generated from a Blue Apron or HelloFresh subscription is incredibly bad for the environment, that extra chicken breast bought from the grocery store that gets freezer burned and finally gets thrown out is much worse because of all the energy and materials that had to go into producing that chicken breast in the first place. True, although the pollution problem, like, this is, I just have to always throw in this perspective, like, it's not just about emissions, we also have a massive plastics pollution problem that is, you know poisoning animals. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. So I'm going to finish with this study, which is very rosy about meal kits. And then I'm going to talk <laughs> about my own opinions on this. So so this is from a write-up on this study from the University of Michigan. So this is like the university making this into like terms that people can understand. By skipping brick and mortar retailing altogether, the direct-to-consumer meal kit model avoids the food losses that commonly occur in grocery stores, resulting in large emission savings. For example, grocery stores overstock food items due to the difficulty in predicting customer demand, and they remove blemished or unappealing foods that may not appeal to shoppers. Meal kits also displayed emission savings in what's called last-mile transportation, the final leg of the journey that gets food into the consumer's home. Meal kits rely on delivery trucks. Since each meal kit is just one of many packages delivered on a truck route, it is associated with a small fraction of the total vehicle emissions. Grocery store meals, in contrast, typically require a personal vehicle to to the uh, store and back. Last mile emissions accounted for 11% of the average grocery meal emissions compared to 4% for meal kit dinners. But I don't think that that takes into account people who are stopping at the grocery store on their way home from work, therefore driving anyways. And... I mean, I don't know how many people are, I didn't look into this, like how many people are driving to the store just to get groceries and then driving home. Obviously, the best way is if you can take transit or if you're walking distance from a grocery store, but that doesn't work if you're in a rural area or in a place that maybe, or if you have like mobility issues, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'll link to the study if people want to look at them, like look at it themselves uh, and we can kind of see how we go there. All right, you were going to tell us your opinions on this study. Yeah. What I don't know about this study is how closely they looked at the freezer packs, which is like my number one thing with meal kits and waste. Because they do advertise like, like obviously with Fresh Prep, they use the zero waste kit in some of their meals, which is great. And a lot of places are using like cardboard boxes and most buildings can recycle cardboard boxes, but it's all those little plastic pieces, right? Uh, Fresh Prep is one of the only places that are like, we take back your soft plastics and then we recycle it for you because my building doesn't have soft plastics recycling. I would have to round it all up and take it in myself. That's interesting. It's surprising that they could find a buyer for that. Maybe they've got like a partnership with TerraCycle or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it would be better if any everything didn't come wrapped in plastic. That's like my number one. <laughs> Yeah, recycling is like at the bottom of the reduced reuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when it comes to like the waste that comes with the packs, I'm thinking specifically of the freezer packs. So even if the emissions are lower, I have a hard time justifying the like emissions to waste ratio like just for the freezer packs alone, Blue Apron sends out over 8 million meals a month. And if each of those come with one to three heavy freezer packs full of weird goo, that's being thrown away. Oh, these freezer packs are like, they're all disposable? 
I, I guess if it's not a refillable program, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. The freezer packs are huge. And so like all of the like meal kit delivery services are give you examples of how you can reuse them. But if you're getting, I don't know, let's say you get six every week. So 24 freezer packs a month. What are you supposed to be reusing them for? You you need maybe two for picnics <laughs> and you can reuse those forever. You know what Definitely. I mean? So that's what I like about Fresh Prep. They take those back too. I hope they reuse them. Although I did look on their website and I couldn't find whether they do or not, but they take them. Well, so. if they take them, it would just be bananas, I think, not to reuse them. <laughs> you know? I know, right? I know. <laughs> It really doesn't line up with my view of the constant messaging from these companies of being like more environmentally friendly. It's like not not really if I'm throwing if if one person is throwing away 24 freezer packs a month, that's not better. I saw an article uh where they were like, "Oh, you should see if your local Boy Scouts club wants them." And so somebody tried they'd like reach out to their local Boy Scouts club and the representative was like, what would we do with all those freezer packs? <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't your first thought on that though be to food banks? It just seemed like they would more obviously need a high number of ice packs. Yeah, but even so, like that's 8 million meals per no, month. No, you're you know? right. It's not a good solution. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> so like personally, when I first started getting them, they told me like, I think it was chef's plate. I don't remember which one it was, but in their like disposal of the stuff, they were like, oh, just like pour the goo down the drain and then like recycle the plastic. So I did that because I was like, no, because <laughs> it works in the goo. <laughs> I will tell you shortly. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> but I didn't know. I was like, oh, this is a huge company telling me to, to like, dispose of this yeah, safely. Yeah, totally. Surely they wouldn't be telling me to, like, pour noxious substance down my drain because that their whole thing is that they're environmentally friendly. So I did it, and it clogged my drain so badly, Kristen. This was, like, last year when I first started doing it. It clogged my drain so badly, it took me... I'm not a plumber. I don't, I didn't know at the time that you could just like unscrew your drain under the sink and like get stuff out that way. So I was like scooping, it was like in my garbage disposal and I had two sinks that were connected. So I was like causing one sink to geyser by like I, <laughs> using, like, I set up a whole system and I was just scooping it out because I didn't want my roommate to think that I'd ruined our sink and then like I'd lose my security deposit. It was a whole thing. Now I know that I could have just like unscrewed the bottom and like taken it out that way. But either way, it fully plugged my drains and I really do not <laughs> recommend doing that. Hopefully they don't advertise that you should do that anymore. Some places are like, oh, just flush it. But it's like, no, that's so bad for your plumbing. And also, you don't know what's in this goo. I will tell you right now. The goo is made of sodium polyacrylate, which is used in tons of products like diapers and sanitary napkins, wound dressings, artificial snow, gr those growing toys, and fire retardant gel. So it's like a really useful subs uh, like substance. I wouldn't say like it's not something that should exist. It's great, but it's not something that we should be using millions and millions and millions of packs for every month like it has its like yeah you know what i mean like and certainly not sending into our waterways by way of our drains no it's <laughs> it's technically non-toxic but that doesn't make it good for the planet it's not biodegradable and i think there was a study where they found that if dogs ingest uh too much of it they do like it, it's toxic like you know what i mean like you can't eat the stuff yeah i think um toxic ratings I might be wrong on this, but I think they're geared towards humans. So it may, like, if it's toxic to, like, 
a fish or something. I think that may not be <laughs> yeah. encapsulated with the official rating, but I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, so like maybe don't like dump it down your drain, but like that's not what they're advertising. Yeah. It's ah. also really bad. Yeah, it's also really bad in when it's being manufactured because in its powdery state, it can get into workers' lungs and cause, like, lung disease. And that was an issue, I think, in India I was reading a few years ago, so. But there are greener options, including collecting the current freezer bags and reusing them, first of all. I found a really good quote from a Mother Jones article that basically wrote about the freezer packs. It's a The article's four years old, but I couldn't find anything that suggests that companies are doing anything differently now, so it kind of holds up. And the quote says, A little creative thinking might go a long way, yet none of the companies that I talked to said that they had any specific plans to change the freezer pack system. And when you think about it, why should they fix the problem? The current arrangement suits the meal kit providers just fine. It's taxpayers that are paying for these old freezer packs to sit in the landfill forever. Companies are getting a total freebie. Yeah, I mean, just like a lot of environmental issues, the problem is that we've allowed companies to externalize the cost of polluting and it becomes a public cost and it becomes a public harm. This is why Robbie hated that book we reviewed. <laughs> 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 yeah, you guys can go back to Waste Free World if you want to hear us talk more about uh, companies taking advantage of polluting the planet at no cost. So, like, this is where I'm torn on the on the freezer uh, or on the meal kits because, like, yeah, okay, maybe food waste is less and maybe emissions are lower, but we have a serious plastic problem that none of the companies that none of the big companies, anyways, maybe your local company has an option, you know what I mean? But the big ones are not addressing it at all. And they advertise on their websites that they are extremely green because they're doing like, oh, we support local farmers, but it's like only for some of their products. Like if I'm getting a meal kit in January in Vancouver, surely mo like most of that's being trucked in, you know? So I don't know. I like meal kits and I hope that they continue to grow because I think there's a lot of potential there, especially for people who have trouble cooking or have a lack of time. I mean, we'll get into that later, but that's my view on them and the environment. They could be better. Yeah. So like, I guess, I guess it probably depends what your alternative is. If like, the alternative is somebody like conventionally grocery shopping where they drive their car, they use plastic bags, they don't eat all the food, then probably a meal kit is a net benefit. But you could also just grocery shop better. And then that seems like it'd be better. Yeah. So what about the workers? <laughs> this is where I'm going to talk about the logistics because the logistics oh, God. are... Oh, no, please don't tell me they're peeing in bottles and stuff like that. I mean, uh, ooh, I don't know. Well, HelloFresh and Chef's Plate and Good Food make no mention anywhere on their websites of obtaining their food from certified farms or places that ensure workers' rights. They do say that they get most of their ingredients from Canada wherever possible, and that's for the Canadian versions of these websites. I, obviously, it will be different if you're in... France and you're ordering from Good Food. So, you know, check it out. Good Food says that they source meat and fish from eco-responsible sources, which is kind of like, what does that mean? And they don't have any links or offer any further information. They just have one sentence Classic that says, greenwashing. Yeah, Classic. Eco-responsible <laughs> eco sources. And I'm like, that's interesting because there's actually no eco-responsible way to get fish, as we've learned. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
Yeah, but it's the kind of statement that like is so vague that you're you're never going to get called on it. You know, it doesn't actually have to mean anything. Yeah, it just makes people, it makes the casual purveyor like, oh, okay, cool. Maybe I'll try them, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's like the word natural on food products. It means nothing, but like it has a brand signal. So people will buy something with that word on it. Yeah. Fresh Prep in BC say that they work directly with local purveyors and distributors that support sustainable practices, but again, they offer no links. And when I tried, I don't remember which um, website it was, but for one of these meal kit services, I tried to follow a link that was like, here are our suppliers, and it brought me to a 404 page. So... <laughs> ah. <laughs> All right. So when it comes to the actual people who work for these uh, companies, though, I found a really interesting story about Blue Apron. They were scaling up so quickly in Richmond, California from 2013 to 2016 that it resulted in a ton of health and safety violations, stressed workers threatening their bosses, and sexual assault because they were just hiring people rapidly. And they were outsourcing to temp agencies and they were not prepared to look after the people that they were hiring. And they were hiring from neighborhoods with crime issues and with a lot with like like uh i think they probably set up there because the workforce was maybe poorer and therefore they didn't have the human resources set up in order to take care of people who maybe had like mental health issues or were dealing with ptsd or you know you're hiring like hundreds of people rapidly you need to have something in, in place to take care of them right and they didn't so I'm going to quote from the article that I read about this. This was like a BuzzFeed News thing, but they like broke the story. So it's funny how far BuzzFeed News has come. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not just listicles anymore. No, I mean, this was, I think this article was from 2016. So it's not current, but it does give you an idea of what the history behind these services is. And because it's not just Blue Apron that had to scale up rapidly. It's a lot of them, right? They started in 2012. So less than 10 years ago, and they're global and they're massive. Between farm and front door is the massive, mostly invisible process by which all of those ingredients are measured, cut, prepared, bagged, packed, palletized, and shipped. For all its outward simplicity, Blue Apron's business model is uh, predicated on a hugely complicated feat of precision logistics executed at an enormous volume. Each week, the company has to develop 10 original, relatively healthy, widely appealing, geographically and seasonally appropriate recipes that can be prepared easily and quickly with ingredients that are affordable and available at scale. Wait, I'm sorry. They don't just use the same recipes every week? No, no. Why? The recipes change from week to week. Even Fresh Prep, (laughs) I think, offers 24 different recipes every week. So, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, sorry. I probably should have included that in like the description of meal kit. They're different every week. <laughs> I'm just imagining like a sweatshop of chefs trying to design these new recipes. Yeah, so it has to source correct quantities of produce, meat, cheese, bread, spices, and staples from artisanal purveyors and hundreds of family-run farms across the country. And then it has to precisely portion and package each of those ingredients, 10 to 12 per meal in this week's boxes that they used for that example. Kyla, this is fast fashion for food. It is. That's what this is. It is. It's exactly the same. (laughs) Hey, editing Kyla here. This is the perfect segue for an update to our information 
A day after we recorded, news broke that at two Californian HelloFresh factories, workers announced plans to unionize. If the vote passes, it'll be the first union in the meal kit industry. Over 1,300 of HelloFresh's 6,000 employees would be represented. A petition from workers said that while HelloFresh profited from the pandemic, employees faced disrespect, a COVID-19 outbreak, and preventable injuries. The Vice article that reported on this said last year, at least 171 workers tested positive for COVID at the facility in Richmond. The petition also says, We know what happens when thousands of new jobs are created in new industries overnight with little regard to the dignity or the safety of work. Today's meal kit factory kitchens are yesterday's garment factories. Workers told Vice that the pressure to maintain production in the face of explosive growth has been detrimental to their well-being. Kristen made a joke about peeing in jars, and unfortunately, it's not too far off. Workers at HelloFresh have said they are discouraged from taking water breaks and are timed for bathroom breaks. Anti-union consultants have already visited these facilities to hold mandatory anti-union meetings. Cool story. So they prep each of these ingredients that are like between like 10 and maybe 15 or more. And then they send them out to hundreds of thousands of people, ideally without breakage, spoiling, lost packages or missing ingredients. While the USDA estimates that 10% of food produced in the U.S. is wasted at the retail level, Blue Apron aims to waste just 3% of the food it purchases, but I don't know how much it actually wastes. Yeah, and also, like, what is the impact on those subcontractors, right? Yeah. Because, like, I'm just imagining it. You're, like, an artisanal cheese producer or something, and suddenly Blue Apron needs, like, a new type of cheese from you or something, or they need, like, an increased portion or something. That probably places some kinds of pressures on you. Same with like produce growing probably affects how farmers are growing their produce and like how they make decisions and probably results in like some short term um, like labor needs, you know? Yeah. Like I don't know that the meal kit services are a big enough industry yet for that to be a huge issue, but it's definitely going that way. (laughs) And that's why I would recommend instead of going with the big names, find something local. Like, like I, you've heard me say fresh prep like a hundred times in this episode. I love them. They're BC based, <laughs> but there's like another, there's like a whole bunch. They don't pay for this podcast at all. No, but if you guys want to, I'm here for it. <laughs> if fresh prep is listening, I do take checks, but I, I like, there are again, like hundreds of these tiny versions. You don't need to go with the big ones. It might cost a little bit more to go with the smaller guys, but they have probably better working relationships with the local producers who are giving you the ingredients for your meals. I know that like these bigger companies like Blue Apron, they'll obviously they'll set up shop in a city and they'll have like a manager there who is responsible for working with the local producers. So it's not like one cheese maker is producing cheese for the whole country it's just for that area but it's like that's that's a logistical thing right yeah but i mean that also might be a problem right like one of the biggest problems with fast fashion which i actually think is a pretty accurate comparator here um is that because um fast fashion promotes like changes in styles all the time it results in these short-term pressures on subcontractors because as soon as they've got a new design out They need them to produce a lot of stuff in a really short period of time. So you can imagine how that would be the same even at like the local level. Um, You know, 
you need like a lot of kohlrabi one week and you need like a lot of tomato the next week, you know? I don't know. It just seems like I understand what you're saying about like buying the local alternatives and probably on like an individual level, that's a really good idea. But if we're thinking about like what the impact of meal delivery services will be as it becomes more than 1% of the food system, that really scares me, you know? Yeah. So (laughs) it's interesting because most of these companies, they're advertising based on we're a green company, we're ethical, we use carbon offsets. And yet behind the scenes, you know, and not even behind the scenes in the case of the freezer packs, there's all of this this waste going on. And that's like, they're, again, they're assuming that everybody's making one trip to the grocery store in a car and then driving home. They're assuming that uh, everyone's wasting all of this food and not wasting the food in the meal kits, which I don't know, you know, like maybe meal kits are being wasted. And also assuming that people are taking more trips to the grocery store because they're not using meal kits. Because I can imagine a world in which you get a couple of meals delivered through this delivery service week And that doesn't actually increase your grocery trips because you still have to go like for your weekly or biweekly grocery shop, you know, in which case um, now you've got sort of two transport emissions burdens. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. So my conclusion on this is basically meal kits are okay if you're tight on time or creativity or you don't know how to cook and you want to learn as long as you're eating the whole meal. Uh, which is sometimes tough when there's a minimum buy and you're the only person in the house or just two of you. But ultimately, the best thing you can do is walk or take transit to the grocery store to grab everything for the week in one big shop, then make it at home without wasting any leftovers or ingredients. But that's a big ask for a lot of people in our exhausting capitalist society where we're all working two or three jobs or we have two kids or whatever. It's also hard for me because like, Parsley never gets fully used. I don't care who it it, is. I don't use all the (laughs) parsley. My partner loves parsley. He buys it all the time and we never use all of it. And I just- You're clearly not making enough tabbouleh in your life. Yeah. (laughs) I need to, yeah, that's exactly it. I need a meal kit to send me a tabbouleh recipe (laughs) so that I can figure out how to use this. I just learned. Yeah. I, like, and it's funny how like easy it is to make some stuff. Like I made pesto for the first time yesterday and I was like, you know, and we have a food processor, so it's not hard. And I was like, oh, this is really easy and really tasty. And now I know I can put it on all sorts of things. So. I mean, I think one of the like interesting and challenging things about meal kits is that they're not really a perfect replacement for grocery stores because there is also that knowledge component. So... Yeah, there is like a huge emotional toll. I don't know if you like, at the very beginning of the pandemic, one of the things in Ontario, at least, was um, everybody was asked to limit their grocery store trips to once a week, um, which really cramped my stocks. I kind of like to go every couple days. Um, (laughs) Same. But but it resulted in me like spending probably two to three hours every week just like meal planning, like picking new recipes or ones that I knew before and like identifying what I needed to buy so I could get everything that I needed in this one week. And that was like a lot of mental energy. It was okay during that time because it's like, what else was I going to do? But (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's not like a sustainable thing. I mean, maybe you get really good at it with practice, which I'm finding that I'm getting better at it with practice. It's true, you do. But I needed the meal kits as as like a step for me to be able to do that. Yeah, totally agree. I was just going to say that I also found that the meal kits 
um, often use the oven in their recipes. Whereas when I cook by myself, I never use my oven. <laughs> I never use an oven. I just don't even think about it. I forget that I have an oven usually is what happens. I, I fry <laughs> everything or I put it in my toaster oven. Like it's like the same, I guess, but mostly- It's just a tiny oven, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But like, Consider your own style of cooking, right? If you fucking love salads and you never use an oven, it's probably worse for the environment to switch to a meal kit delivery service where every meal requires the oven. You know what I mean? Yes, true. I don't know. My my takeaway from this was meal kits are better if you find yourself throwing away a lot of food, if you drive to the grocery store and you're not doing it on your way home from work when you're already driving. If you buy a lot of prepackaged food already, and if you're really time poor, uh, it saves me time on meal prep, grocery shopping, cleanup. If you want to use meal kits but are still uncomfortable with all of the packaging being wasted, tell your favorite companies that you want to see a zero waste kit. Every time I quit one of these, because I've signed up for them a couple times and quit because, well, once out of curiosity and now once for the podcast. And every time I quit, I always send a message and I'm like, you don't have any vegan options and you're using way too much plastic. So I'm not, I'm not going to be here. Maybe I'll try you again in six months. And then I did. And then I sent them the same message again. So... (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good. I mean, companies do take these signals if they're consistently getting messages that either there aren't, probably there aren't enough vegan options is going to be way more persuasive than the number of people that probably send the plastics note, because it's a lot easier to adapt some vegan meals than it is to switch to reusables. Just requires like less logistical work. Yeah. (laughs) But still, those signals matter. And yeah, there are a bunch of like non-ethical reasons that people might switch from grocery to meal kits because they're not equivalent products. So I guess maybe the best advice then is to find a good one. Yeah. I found an interesting statistic that was saying that most of the people who are regular subscribers to meal kits have an average income of $100,000 a year or more. So like they're expensive, right? It's one of those things where if you have money, you can buy yourself some more time. Like if I made more money, I would definitely hire a cleaner to come once a week and just clean my apartment. I've used, I used to have that when I was living with roommates. And when I was lo- living on the cruise ship, I'd just pay someone like once a week um, to come in and clean my space. And like, yeah, my space is small, but holy shit, is it nice to have somebody else clean it. So that's where like that that money to time thing comes in. Like if you're making enough money, you can pay to save time by getting these meal kits, right? Yeah, it's true. That's interesting, though, that it's $100,000 for the average. It kind of makes sense. Um, but those are probably people that had um, like pretty good access to knowledge about cooking to begin with. Yeah. So it does combat the idea it's primarily about learning. But No, I didn't okay. say it was primarily about learning. <laughs> for me, it's primarily about learning. <laughs> no, no, for sure, for sure. It's just interesting. Um, yeah, I guess meal kits, they seem like they're the way of the future. I imagine there'll be a much larger element of how people eat. So hopefully reusables are the way that companies go. Yeah. As for myself, I'm going to keep using fresh prep. You can skip meals. That's the really cool thing about most meal kits is like you can skip meals. So if I can only afford to do this like four times a month or twice a month or once a month, then I can just skip meals. But it's pretty bad because Fresh Prep has really good recipes. So I'll be like, oh, I'll skip next week. And then I'll see the recipes. And I'm like, mm, but I really want to try that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I'm going to keep 
going to grocery stores. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I didn't come into this expecting to uh, convert you. <laughs> I don't know. I really like going to my food blogs and trying new recipes. So <laughs> mm, yeah, I bought a fancy cookbook. Actually, I'll probably add it to the recommended reading list on our website. So if somebody wants to check out this cookbook, but it's a it's a vegan cookbook, but it's for beginners. So it gives you four weeks of meals and it shows you how to do the meal prep and it shows you how to do meal plans and it shows you it's actually a really cool book and it has some really good recipes in it. So I've been working off of that as well. And it's really teaching me how to cook and I've been eating a lot more delicious vegan meals. The uh, salad rolls that you fed me were from that book, weren't they? They were. And they I'm were getting very better nice. <laughs> at them. Well, thank you. I'm really bad at making salad rolls. But it's one of those things where like, I don't, I didn't know, like, I don't know how easy it is to make pesto. I didn't realize how easy it was to make sa- so like, easy. salad yeah. rolls. They're so <laughs> you easy. You can make pesto like, out of anything. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess our, our call to action is uh, if you're already subscribing to a meal kit, send them a message and let them know you'd prefer to see less waste or a zero waste option and ask them what you should do with your freezer packs and then give them pushback when they give you a shitty answer, which they will. Nice. And if you're not already using a food kit, um, maybe just think about food waste. Yeah. Whether you're planning to go with a meal kit or not, just in general, think about food waste. (laughs) Try to reduce your food waste. Yeah, it's huge. I didn't um, include any of the statistics for like how bad food waste is, but it's like the it's like I think it's like the number one thing that people can do to reduce their carbon footprint is to stop wasting so much food. Yeah, I think um, either it or eating a plant based diet; those are usually the top two personal choices. And then um, refrigerants are the worst, <laughs> but people can't change that. Go back to Project Drawdown. I think this was our very first episode of the podcast I asked you this. Oh, yeah. But of course, I can't remember. Either way, food waste <laughs> is really bad. And so let's, is, yeah. let's try and minimize that. That's like the number one argument I say for meal kits is if you eat the whole thing. Because there's almost never any left. Like, there's no, like the only things I'm ever throwing away from meal kits are like stocks or pepper seeds if I don't want my my meal to be as spicy. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. If you're interested, if you listen to this episode and you're interested in trying a meal kit, I, I love it. I love my meal kit. I'm going to stick with the one that I like. I'm going to push them to do more of their zero waste kit. And I would encourage people to try it, but just go in mindful of the problems that face this service. And like, let's push the industry in a good direction if you're going to try it. Um, and yeah, take a look at your local options. There was a lot of really cool, especially in the United States, really cool like vegan options and like zero waste options are available. I really wanted to try this one called uh, Purple Carrot, but it's only in the USA, but it's completely plant-based. Wish I could try it. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> there's options out there. Great. Well, thanks for listening, you guys. This was a pretty straightforward episode and yet we still managed to make it pretty long. Good on, good on. Woo! <laughs> I had fun. <laughs> yeah, if you guys want to want to reach out to us, maybe you have something to say about uh, food kits, you can reach us on Twitter at Pullback Podcast. Otherwise, we'll catch you on the next episode. 